everybody. It's time for the Necromaniacs podcast. Uh, this week, co-host Mike Scandato is joining me, and we're going to talk about a, a literally a brand spanking new movie. So that's really uh, really cool. Yeah, it's it's great that um, we're we're kind of ripping into 2021, uh, talking about newer stuff. Um, you know, we we talked about Psycho Goreman which was a lot of fun the last time I was on with Mike. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about another 2021 film that just came out on February 9th on uh, video on demand and digital called Sator, uh, directed by Jordan Graham. But uh, <clears throat> since last we've chatted, Mike, um, what, what have you been, you know, kind of getting into uh, on on the the watching front or the reading front well i finished watching oz in its entirety uh <laughs> i know that wow that's a out. lot of episodes yeah well i've been i've been picking away at it for a little while but um literally just like uh a few hours ago i finished the <laughs> last episode of um of the of the last season and i didn't see i never saw the last two seasons of that because uh, for the majority of the time that that was on, I I didn't have cable TV, you know. So mm. I would I would like you know either see it when I was visiting my parents or I'd rent the DVDs or whatever, like in the early, you know, two thousands or whenever. So mm -hmm. uh, you know I enjoyed that. Um, it's actually way more theatrical than I remember it from back in the day. You know, it feels like a play. yeah, I, like. I think as it went along, it got a bit more kind of weird, right? And yeah. like dramatic. Yeah. Uh huh. I, I appreciate that. I remember that. it being a bit more of like a, initially, it was a bit more of like a gritty prison show, like that dudes would watch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but I do remember it, it, it took on this whole other weird side. I, I don't even know if I saw the whole thing either. Um, so I would have to. I, I would be tempted to start from scratch and rewatch the whole thing. Well, that that's what you know. That's what we do right now in, in the pandemic <laughs> is is rewatch entire shows from the beginning to the end. And uh, you know, right now we all, you know, some of us, I, I do at least, I have the time to do it. So it's kind of uh, kind of fun to take a couple hours at the end of the day and you know, revisit something brand, something you haven't seen or something old or, you know, there's a bunch of new shit out there. But uh, I just figured I'd take this time to watch those last, you know, just watch from the beginning. So now I know the whole story. I know who died, who didn't die, who made it, what the actual, uh, you know, fate of everyone on the show is. And uh, I got to say, I quite enjoyed it. That's great. I, I, I finished The Night Stalker and honestly, I just, I thought... The part four was like the best, the, the last episode, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess that was kind of where all the action was. And it's kind of funny because, you know, the big emphasis, as I said on that show, was on those two cops. And the two cops weren't even the people who brought him down. Uh, as the Night Stalker was brought down by the <laughs> citizens of California. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, they captured him and beat the living shit out of him and, you know, almost killed him, for God's sake. And uh, I thought that was kind of funny, you know, which I think I remember, like, I kind of thought I knew that, but I forgot it, that that's how he was kind of apprehended, uh, not by those two policemen. <laughs> but other than that, I, um, it's weird. I, I stumbled across watching something that was originally on TBS and now made its way onto HBO Max. It is not horror at all. And it isn't even something I would even think I would enjoy. It's called Search Party. You ever heard of that? Oh, um, a lot of people have been talking about that, but I haven't. I, I'm not exactly sure what it is, though. Yeah, it's it's um, it's all shot in Brooklyn in New York City. It's it kind of started out really good, and now I feel like as I'm into the third season, I'm not liking it as much. It's a storyline that had a, a definite ending by the end of season two. Yet for whatever reason, they decided to kind of keep it going. Um, it stars uh, the girl who was in Arrested Development. She was like the younger girl, uh, Ali Shawkat. And it's basically like a bunch of annoying hipsters who get caught up in this 
what they think is like a missing persons case or like a potential murder mystery, but it's that's not really the case. I'll say that. Um, some of it is very funny, but I feel like I'm watching a show where I literally hate every character on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people recommended that to me, and um, like a couple of other podcasts I listen to have talked about it, mm -hmm. and um, I'll probably end up checking it out eventually. Yeah, after. it's not terrible. I mean, like I said, it is not horror in the slightest. It has a little bit of a, I mean, it has a mystery element to it, but uh, which goes away. And then I feel like that's where the show should have ended, but it is, it is, you know, keeping it going. Uh, and aside from that, believe it or not, I have finally started watching the new era Godzilla movies. Uh, I watched the 2014 Godzilla. I don't think I'd ever saw it from front to back before. And I fucking loved it. So now I think tonight I'm going to watch the Kong Skull Island and then watch that that other, you know, then the next one from 2019, King of the Monsters. And then uh, I'll be all set for the brand new one that's coming out this year. Yeah, I got to check those out. I um, A good friend of mine that I went to high school with actually works on the special effects for those films. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's dude Randy Link. You can, uh, mm -hmm. you, can you can check him out, like, online. He's a... One of those guys that even in high school, I knew that he was going to do something like that because he was he's one of those kids who like would make masks and shit. And oh, you know, wow. he was one of the like um, three kids I grew up with that was into punk rock music, you know, and the Dead Kennedys and Black <laughs> Flag and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, and like Evan, Evan Balzer, who was um, the guy who painted uh, Born to Expire album cover. Um, oh wow yeah he was not he was like him and the two of those guys were like the art artist guys you know like and uh i was pretty good friends with those dudes they were they were cool um good good guys yeah leeway's uh blown to expires is one of my my favorite uh record covers i love it but um yeah dude i think godzilla looks fucking amazing and the, the special effects is just i mean to me it, if this was to really happen, it would look like this movie. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right that's on. what it looks like. Yeah, man. Um, and the, the monsters he fights in the, in this one from 2014 are called Mutos, M-U-T-O-S. There's a male and female. And my God, it's just like so like, I mean, it's kind of like disaster porn, but it looks so good. And I think with each, with each movie, the, these big monsters, everything, everything just looks so fucking realistic. And, you know, growing up with the, the man in the rubber suit to this is just like, you know, it's like, wow. You know, it's like comparing like the those early 90s or 80s superhero things to the superhero shit of now. It's like you finally seen what can be really, you know, really can be done, you know, and it's just amazing to see it. Yeah. I caught this movie called Saint Maud too, which um, it's another film that a lot of people have been talking about. And um, actually, it's funny because I think this movie Sator, I believe that Rennie from Starkweather hit you and I up simultaneously with the same email about checking this. Yes, movie he out. did. <laughs> yeah. So, and, hello, Rennie. <laughs> and uh, and Rennie also reminded me or indicated to me that Saint Maud was available on epics now so I, i'd been meaning to see that so i checked out uh, i checked it out and um very fucking dark bleak movie man i um yeah it's just like this existentially dark film and uh kind of like a you know slow burn sort of quiet movie that has like mm -hmm. a, an ending that is uh a total bummer ending <laughs> is like, it uh is it a it sounds right up our alley yeah um is it american mike british oh it's british okay cool yeah i want to see it i'm gonna i'm gonna try to check it out i don't have epics uh is it exclusive to epics right now um unknown you probably i imagine can rent it for a couple bucks on like a prime or something okay. like that I, I imagine i don't i don't know if it's only i don't know if it's exclusive on, on uh, epics or not um, and then I cool. just uh, recently started reading this book of short stories. Uh, it's an old book called Splatterpunks 2, Over the Edge. And uh, huh. it's got, uh, you know, short stories uh, from Clive Barker and Pop Easy Bright and uh, Carl Edward Wagner, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with. Do you know, who, you, you, does that name ring a bell for you? Mike, I got to be honest. 
I think I read this book over really? 20 years ago. There you yes. go. See, it's, I told you it's old, but I, I am just, uh, once again, I, I read about it. I forgot what publication was was talking about this book, but I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, this sounds great. So let me um, let me try to find it. And I I just started it, just like uh, like yesterday, actually, and it's uh, pretty fucking cool. If I saw the cover, I'd probably be able to tell you. Maybe you could shoot me an email or message later of the cover. There was a time in the '90s when I mean, this these were like some of the coolest fucking things to read. You know, um, yeah. I actually I mean. Poppy Z. Bright, I read a, a lot of, of her stuff. Um, uh, I believe uh, she now is, is a he, so I will, I will yeah. refer to her as his stuff. Um, those books were great. Uh, I was reading them a lot in the uh, early, mid-90s. Um, and, of course, I was reading Clogbogger starting around the late 80s. But I'm, I'm getting a, a, some familiar vibes from what you're talking about. Um, I might actually own this book perhaps but we'll see yeah it's uh it's it's cool i'm i've been i've been uh, into um you know short stories too i mean i just finished reading a, a fairly long book uh recently called last days by uh, a guy who actually we're probably going to mention in this episode named adam neville my mm -hmm. uh, my my new favorite uh, uh horror you know weird fiction horror fiction writer He's like your Brian Keene to me. Like I have, like Brian Keene is like he's a Brian Keene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I, I I'm late late to the game on Brian Keene too, and I'm I'm down with I'm down with Mr. Keene. I've been I've been checking this <laughs> shit out, and um yeah, so I read a bunch of sto short stories, a uh, bunch of um Thomas Ligotti short stories, uh you know stuff like that. It's like it's cool. Like you you know they're like ten pages long. You can bang a few of them out, and um. You can read other things while you're reading short stories, you know, so so that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, aside from that, on, on the music front, I've been listening to a lot of Manila Road, Mike. You down oh, dude. Road? Yeah, we lost um, we lost the singer of that band a few years ago. Yeah, Mark Shelton, Mark the Shark. Yeah. You know what? I t To this day, I am kicking myself. They did play St. Vitus a few years back before Mark died. And I did not go to that show. And I always wished I went to that damn show. Um, I don't know. There's something about them. I mean, they're they're just they're like heavy metal, you know. I mean, yeah. they have moments that are, are thrashy, you know. Like they have some albums that would probably be considered thrash metal, but to me, they're just kind of true old school traditional heavy metal. And, and some of their earliest records in like '79, '80 are more like proto metal even though like you know what i'm saying like they they kind of follow that trajectory like very well yeah. um and they just have these like riffs at, that really kind of stay with you at times and some of these songs that kind of get stuck in your head forever you know yeah um so i i, I highly recommend manila road they have literally i believe 17 full lengths um but i would kind of go maybe in order to be honest um sure to, to check them out uh, aside from that, uh, I was listening to uh, another kind of Rennie uh, Starkweather adjacent uh, kind of thing, uh, Rubicon a lot. Rubicon is the band that formed literally moments after Fields of the Nephilim broke up, and it was everybody but Andy McCoy. Yeah. Because um, they, they, they all formed a new band without him that kind of, I don't know, this band is kind of hard to describe. Um, they completely by accident sound a lot like life of agony, Mike. <laughs> Honestly, interesting. Like, that I, is the, I wouldn't have picked up on that, but I guess you're right. Thinking about it, you know, especially the second record, uh, called, uh, room one Oh one. Like it really reminds me of life of agony and particularly the, the records kind of after river runs red. <laughs> um, huh. I would gather that these two bands don't even know that the other exists yet. To me, there's a similarity in the guy's voice and in some of the riffing and just the way it just kind of sounds. I don't know. Like maybe I'm nuts, but th that's who I would compare them to. They don't sound like fields of the Nephilim. No, but no. they, to me, remind me of like life of agony, which is weird. And wow. I've also been listening to Gorgoroth a lot. The first four Gorgoroth records, are ass rippers um i mean i recently got them on 
you know, I had them on CD forever and uh, slowly getting rid of all of my CDs, Mike. Really? So, yes, I am. Um, I feel like digital and vinyl is enough. So the CDs are going and I've been on a very big, you know, vinyl kick. It's probably a good idea, man. I, I, um, you know, I've been living here for almost a year. But, you know, you know mm-hmm. how it goes. Sometimes you, it takes you a while to unpack. And uh, I'm getting to, like, uh, boxes of CDs. So I, I, I can dig where you're coming from with that, you know. Yeah, I just want to have less stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you totally. know, I just, it's time. I mean, I probably should have done it years ago. But it is what it is. Musically, uh, I've been really into that ruins of beverast record uh the the thule, oh yeah the thule grimoires mm-hmm. yep yep i gotta pick that up that's fucking amazing man it's it's a great album and then also um i might have mentioned this before but uh this band called atramentus they have a record called stygian that's out yep i have it uh-huh i have the vinyl i love it yeah i i um i went through a phase where i would i was like listening to that record all the way through and then starting it again from the beginning that's how much I, <laughs> oh wow that's how much i like it you know what i mean <laughs> i believe uh some of the guys in that band are in the really good death metal band katilis yes yeah. um mm-hmm. yes yeah uh so, oh yeah they're fucking great dude love it yeah so that's that's uh in a nutshell that's the kind of stuff i've been listening to awesome all right children um <laughs> Now, <laughs> this movie, Sator, like uh, I had said right at the beginning of the podcast, uh, is brand new. Uh, however, it has taken its uh, director, Jordan Graham, almost six years to make, which is a really long fucking time. Right, Mike? Yeah, man. I read some of the same information probably about that. And um, it's aside from it taking six years it's kind of like the Jordan Graham show, you know, he wrote, directed, you know, edited, did the music. He kind of did the whole thing, you know, cinematography, like all that stuff. Yeah. uh, Producing. I mean, I I believe there is like no, like I believe it's 16 different things in the film he did, which I mean, we don't need to read off all 16 things he did, but man, that is a lot. I, I, it's almost unheard of. I mean, I, right? It, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's a, a real indie kind of thing, you know. And uh, and I got to be honest, I never heard of uh, of Jordan Graham prior to this. And and you know, I know we both looked at um, you know, his credits, and uh, there's a a film from 2012 called Spectre, and then there's a mm-hmm. short from 2009 called Midground. And I, I don't, I never heard of either of those films, you know, and, and no, yeah. no, I think this is a, you know, f- from like the press and things I've read about it, like this is going on record as like his, his first film, but who knows, you know, I mean, w- what the scope of those movies were. Um, but I'll say this, I, I, I think I'm going to say it now. This guy has a future in the genre. Um, this is quite a film. It, it's, it's a quiet, moody, kind of, you know, it very dark, supernatural horror. Uh, that, that's a, a good way to kind of sum it up. Uh, it takes place in Northern California um, in the forest, uh, you know, like this kind of like desolate, secluded area. And, you know, the byline is a broken family is observed by Sador, a supernatural entity who is attempting to claim them. Uh, this actually did premiere at the Fantasia Festival in Canada um, to much acclaim. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, when movies go to some of these festivals, uh, they do those rounds before they kind of hit our eyes, right? Would you say? Yeah. You know, before I, they, they, they hit the general public. Yeah, because a lot of times those fests, like they do the fest and they try to find like a distribution deal or something like that. And exactly. You know, they, they, they try to, you know, like like uh, pitch it, you know, the different distributors and different companies and whatnot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I bet you this 
I mean, I don't know where, the, if this is just going to live permanently on, you know, video on demand. I have a feeling it will not. I, I think this movie is going to be headed somewhere else. Uh, I, I hope Shutter picks it up. I hope maybe Netflix grabs it up. You know, somebody I think is probably going to grab this. Um, it's something that will stay with you. Uh, it is definitely in the wheelhouse, I think, of this podcast and kind of really in like our, our taste of, you know, Mike and I's tastes. And I think that's why, uh, you know, we're kind of so jazzed on it, right? Yeah, and... And what's funny and interesting and cool about it is like, uh, you know, you and like I said, Rennie uh, emailed us simultaneously <laughs> about this movie. And I, I think it was like Friday afternoon, like just a few days ago. Right. It was still light out. I remember that it was still light out when when I saw the uh, the email. And um, I'm like, oh, I got to watch this like as, as soon as I possibly can. But after watching the trailer. I'm like, it's not dark enough out yet because I wanted to watch this movie with like <laughs> all the lights out. I wanted to watch this in darkness just with like the movie on. So I waited until about seven-ish or so, you know, and it was nice and dark out. And then I, mm. then, I, then I went for it. I rocked it. And it was fucking amazing, man. Yeah, it's definitely something to watch at night. I watched it at night as well. Uh, I think it's a good winter horror film, although, uh, you know, I mean – you, you don't necessarily have to watch it in the winter, but I would definitely recommend watching it, you know, immediately after this podcast. That's, that's how much I enjoyed it. Um, it's just, I don't know. One of the, one of those kind of movies that kind of like fell into our lap through one of our good friends and we're here to sing its praises. Uh, there's not a lot even uh, out there uh, about this film. If you Googled it, um, which is cool. So uh, we're hoping to kind of, you know, spread the good word and, and kick off the, you know, the, the buzz on it. Because I do think this is a movie that's going to end up uh, as a film that a lot of people will be like, this is one of the best things I've seen this year. How about that? Well, what I'm looking forward to is the ultimate, uh, you know, Blu-ray of this with extras and interviews and discussions, because based on what I've read about the film, and what I've been able to like extract from different reviews and write-ups of this movie, there's quite a story mm -hmm. behind it. Because apparently um, uh, Jordan Graham had a, a completely different script. And then his uh, grandmother, June Peterson, who, who plays in the film, had a... Nani, yeah. Not Nani, yeah. She showed up for a, what was supposed to be a cameo. And when she was describing some of her own supernatural experiences, it prompted Jordan Graham to completely rewrite the script around that content that his grandmother. Yeah, and that story. Yeah. And yes. So it, it, this film has a very personal angle to it as well. And, and yeah, it's definitely like a supernatural, you know, weird fiction-esque you know, pagan horror, I think is what they refer to it as. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, if, if that's, if you guys out there like The Ritual, which is a movie Mike and I really enjoyed and have sung its praises, um, even if you like, say, even like Midsummer or even Wicker Man or stuff in that wheelhouse of The Witch, uh, Blair Witch, this is a movie for you. Uh, the creepy thing about his grandmother, June Peterson, is that there's a lot of scenes of her writing stuff and, and things that flash across the screen of like these scribbled writings. All of that is her actual writings throughout her life. Uh, she has suffered from mental illness almost her entire life. And there is, you know, mental illness in, in Graham's family, which she has, has discussed. And there are these scenes in the film, um, you know, that are just very kind of striking and, and jarring and just kind of like really, I don't know. I don't think they are super intense that they're going to like scar you or anything, but they're definitely very moving. No. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of this, it's, it's the, the style of the film kind of goes between almost um, documentary style. Like some of the footage of the grandmother is like, like very, very Frank, like very, um, mm -hmm. It has the feeling of something that would be cut into like one of these Netflix, like true crime sort of documentaries. And then yeah. it's also cut with these like beautiful, expansive 
landscapes and shadowy like scenes and and some you know just like a really incredible use of um of of darkness and shadows and light and all this stuff and it's just builds up this like very this very intense mood and um not a lot of dialogue either you know no, it is a it is a quiet film. There isn't. I feel like there was no dialogue for at least like the first fifteen minutes of the movie or more. Um, something else I wanted to discuss was that I think the movie has a black metal aesthetic. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Without any black metal in it, um, it is very. I mean, you, you if you're a black metal fan, you'll probably know exactly what I mean as you're watching it. Um, it would be interesting to know if Jordan Graham himself listen to the this that kind of music at all or is familiar with that kind of visuals but there is heavy black metal aesthetic and visuals in the film uh no actual metal music though um but speaking of the music uh he he did create the score apparently using pots pans nuts bolts a bass guitar uh, a, a bass with a violin bow i mean it's just very you know like I said, it, it kind of sticks with you. Um, and as far as that footage you were mentioning, there is actual footage of his grandparents from the early 90s um, that was on high eight uh, video camera incorporated into the film, which is yeah. really, which I think makes it even creepier now. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and that's that's what I was saying. Like, it's a very um, personal movie because, you know, it's, Without, without, it's all put out there for you that, okay, you know, family has, um, you know, there's, there's some elder members of the, of the family who are probably slipping away into, uh, you know, dementia and, and the movie, Mm -hmm. uh, you can read it a couple of different ways. I mean, there's like, obviously it's a straight up awesome supernatural, like fiction, you know, horror movie, or you can also read into the whole, uh, you know, disillusion of your consciousness as you like become more and more, in, you know, sliding into dementia and the you know madness and all this other stuff. And it's like, you know, that gives it this very personal angle to the film, you know. And then there's like the younger family members. There's you know the primarily, I guess you can say that the Adam played by Gabriel Nicholson is kind of the main character. You know, he's kind of a strange yeah. family you know, mm-hmm. and. He's living out in the in the woods by himself with his dog in this like cabin, and and he's living mm-hmm. he's living a very black metal lifestyle. I gotta say, you know. Yes, he is a hundred percent. Um, and he we learned that he he has a brother Peter, uh, in the film played by Michael Daniel, and uh, interesting sidebar uh, in regards to to the the grandmother again, he never met her before until the moment they started shooting basically. And he was pretending to be her grandson. Isn't that, isn't that why? Like, it was just kind of shot so like gonzo, um, you know, that that was the moment he met her. Weird, right? You know, it's funny because, um, like, I, I didn't, like, this is one of these movies where, like, you know, I think both of us are in the same boat. We found out about it, and then an hour later we were watching it. You know what I mean? So there, it, <laughs> yes, wasn't, yes. it wasn't like, like it wasn't like, okay, oh shit, I've been reading about this in magazines or anything, and like I'm like looking forward to it. So I didn't know, I had no idea what was going on, like what anything, like any of the buildup to the film. So I didn't read about who did what or who was in the cast, but somehow, and I, w- I was wrong in my assumption, but I felt like, mm-hmm. m- like the character of Pete might have actually been played by Jordan Graham, but I'm totally wrong. Because the guy did. Oh no, seem, no, it's a different person. Yeah, yeah. It did seem like I was watching the movie, and I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if this guy Pete is the filmmaker, but it turned out not to be. But he did uh-huh, seem very okay. comfortable. He seemed very comfortable around Nani, though. Yes. Um, honestly, I I do get the weird feeling. I mean, look, she has mental illness in real life. This woman, June Peterson, um, and. Oh, Doyle's getting Doyle. in on the action. Nice. Doyle is making an appearance, everybody, on Necromaniac's podcast. That is my uh, almost 18-year-old cat, Doyle. He says hello to everybody. Um, I feel like it's just so 
wild. And it's just, I've never heard of a filmmaker utilizing a family member to, to this extent. And I just feel like it, it could have gone one of two ways. It, it could have gone like horribly wrong and come off as exploitative, or it could have gone this way where I feel like it's not exploitative. I think this woman did an amazing kind of like performance. And uh, on my research in the film, she died in real life soon after the filming uh, of this movie, which is even more creepier and weirder. <laughs> no? Yeah, it just it just creates this whole atmosphere around the movie, you know, and and it's almost like this this like document, you know. I mean, and you know, I don't obviously I don't, you know, I have no fucking idea like about what this guy's like, what his personal yeah. life is like, but like I, no. I you know, I'm, I I've always been, you know, you can accuse me of reading into things and creating my own storylines, I guess, but to me, it seems like this is the kind of film that is going to continue to have meaning for people because mm. of, of their own experiences with maybe possibly losing family members and things like that yes. sort of thing. That's definitely one way of looking at it. And I mean, the movie is, look, I think it's about the occult and I think it's about families, but I also think it's about loss and death and mental illness. No, I mean, this movie definitely has that that vibe um and it, some of it can be a little confusing um i mean it's fairly linear the movie but uh there are characters that i i felt like i wasn't really sure who like who they were um you know because uh, there are two other female characters in the movie uh evie and deborah and i be believe one is a sister and one is perhaps an old girlfriend of one of the brothers. <laughs> but I had a little bit of a hard time figuring out what the case was there. No? <laughs> yeah, they just kind of like present these characters. Like that, that there's not a lot of exposition. You know, there's not a mm. lot of like dialogue. Like, you know, there's these, uh, you know, you get these people, they show up on screen and you kind of connect them. You know, you, okay, well, this is, must be his brother. These guys are related. Then these like women show up and they don't, you're like, okay, there's these women and the writer, you know, he's like, go fuck yourself, go figure it out on your own. Who do these people? Figure are. it out. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Just keep watching. Yeah, don't worry about um, it. <laughs> you know? Uh, there is one more woman in the film who figures very importantly, um, Adam and Peter's mother, yes. who just one day up and disappears. That was kind of, and they just, you know, you see her in these photographs as they're looking through these photo albums. And we don't really know what the hell happened to her. And then until we find out what did happen to her, um, like uh, we said at the start of this, this is brand new. This movie came out a week ago, so we're not going to spoil it. Uh, we do tend to spoil movies on Necromaniacs podcast, as uh, someone pointed out to me who will remain nameless. Uh, we're not going to spoil this movie because it is brand new. So, um, yeah, the, uh, the, the mother uh, figures into it. Um, and there was that one very creepy scene with Evie as she's running away. Remember that scene and where she she levitates into the sky? Yeah. <laughs> that was that was just bonkers. Like I, I rewound and rewatched that like twice. I was like, wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there are definitely some what the fucks in this film, and you may even want to watch it a second time to be completely honest. Um, because it is not, you know, it, it's, I don't think it's for everybody. I think some people might be a little uh, put off by how kind of quiet it is. But I think most people will appreciate how creepy it is. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not, uh, you know, um, Friday the 13th or like, you know, Night of the Living Dead or something like that. You know, <laughs> it's or, not Psycho Goreman. No. Yeah, or, no, definitely not that. <laughs> but if... But it's kind of like, you know, there's been like that trend from like maybe 10, started maybe 10 years ago with like the witch, like you mentioned the witch and, you know, yeah. which is like the, you know, uh, Black Coat's daughter, like that kind of stuff. This kind of slow moving, uh, bleak, mm -hmm. you know, very atmospheric. Um, and like I was saying before we started recording, like this film reminds me more of something I've, like things I've read than actual films mm -hmm. that I've seen because of the, um, there's a lot of like impressionistic scenes where there's no dialogue, 
So you can imagine like reading something where there would, there would be some description, you know, of something or maybe some internal narrative that's going on in the scenes. And um, yeah, it's just, it's trippy, man. Like I was just watching, you know, I'd watch this. And at first I was like, we got so deep into the film with literally no dialogue. And I was like, oh, okay. So I guess yeah. that's, I guess that's yes. what this like is almost about. 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm like, okay. It's funny you use the word trippy. I think I wrote the word trippy down three times in my notes. Trippy and creepy are written down many, many times in the notes I wrote for this film. Um, (laughs) And another another thing in this movie, which I'm starting to enjoy, if this is a new trend, um, the not knowing when it takes place and the lack of any modern technology. Correct? Yeah. Actually, the all the technology is fucking old, man. They have like like cassette, yes. cassette recorders mm-hmm. and fucking old school like uh, like you know DV DV recorders and shit. You mm-hmm. know, and, it could definitely be at some point in the '90s this film, although they there's no mention of when it takes place. No one talks about exactly when. Uh, it, I'm gonna say this movie potentially takes place in the '90s or takes place in in no time at all, which is fine with me. Um, I feel like sometimes uh, those types of things can be a a ridiculous distraction and, you know, corny up the movie. Uh, this is, this is not the case here at all. Um, let's talk about the Sator's, well, the, the, uh, I mean, that's the thing. Sator is, is this one being that does appear in the film. Uh, it's a very striking, creepy presence, but there are also, I don't know, I, I, I don't know what I'm calling the other ones that appear that I initially thought were Seder, but it turns out they weren't. They were kind of like the the minions of Seder. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, th- and this is what puts it in the realm of like weird fiction. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, you know, they talk about, um, you know, there, there's the waterfall, you know, and these like natural like uh, structures in the woods or they have the appearance. They give you the feeling that this is like some ancient, like forgotten, uh, you know, domicile of some kind of entities or something that are part of our reality or maybe they, they shift in and out of different worlds or something. You know, that's like the feeling I get from a lot of this stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, Seder is um, communicating with the family, like, like, mentally you know in this kind of right you know like they comes to the mother with as voices you know the grandmother yep. mother. so mm-hmm. you get i mean once again this is my interpretation of it is that there's these uh you know ancient beings that you know gods demons angels aliens like whatever the hell you want to call them um that might may or may not be immortal that inhabit this kind of realm you know this uh the, well, they inhabit the forest in particular. They inhabit, you know, where where the family lives. Yeah. And there's one thing. Did did you think like the the mother became one of them? Is that what is that what happened? That's I mean, how like I, I think that's what. Yeah. That, that's that's how I read it too. You know, and like right. I, okay, like, great. You know, and a, lot, a lot of this stuff is like totally, you know, and and you know, that's kind of the the thing is like this family is deeply connected with these entities that live in the woods. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and and they, some of them seem to join this uh, race of beings. You know, and that's kind of like how it how the the story kind of progresses. You know, and certain family members resonate with it more than others. It seems. And how creepy was it that like, now Grandpa Jim was the you know, we we don't see him, but we we they mention him a lot. The grandmother's husband who died um i was kind of waiting for that for them to kind of show how he died like you know what I'm saying? i was kind of waiting on that and they don't really show it but it's still kind of creepy because you hear about it right yeah they like she tells that story about how he i mean did, did he immolate himself like what do you think he did like I, I was trying to figure out what how he might have killed himself perhaps or or it was i don't know it was a little unclear well there, there's a lot of mystery in this film for sure Yes. A lot of like Mm -hmm. obscured facts, you know, things have been presented to you for your own interpretation, which is, uh, I mean, I I can see some people getting frustrated with that, but for me, I I, like fucking loved it, man. 
And um, yeah, like yeah. that's why I might watch it again, honestly, uh, because oh, I, I want to, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to watch it again, you know, but, yeah. but there's, there's a lot of, a lot of that, um, you know, kind of like weird fiction stuff that has these kind of, uh, you know, um, these, these themes that have to do with the woods, you know, some kind of ancient race that's obscure that doesn't, no one's, no one knows about them, but certain people, or there's like certain dwellers out there, certain humans that are guardians of this race or something, you know, there's like a lot of that that goes on in this film. At least that's how it seemed like to me, you know, then they appear and they just look fucking cool too. It's like not a lot of money spent on special effects, but the visuals are, are effective though. You know what I mean? Oh no, I, I hear you 100%. Um, and another thing that I, I, I really was like, you know, into was, although it's not a, a, a violent movie per se, you know, it's, there's not a lot of gore in it. Yeah. There is that one scene. There is one like gory, brutal scene that was fucking awesome uh, involving the brother. Um, and you know exactly what scene I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I kind of don't even want to say it because it's uh, it, it kind of it will will fuck up the you know the, the fact that I said I don't want to spoil the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of comes out of nowhere too, you know. Yeah, it does. It really does. Some of the some of the creepiest scenes. Um, there's there's this there's a scene when um, Adam is uh sleep you know he's in his uh his fucking shack out there in the woods. And, uh, like, unlike other films, you, you know, that take place in the woods, the woods seems fucking scary. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, yeah, they do. That's, I, I'm like seeing this guy sleeping in this dark, like, shack. And I'm like, man, you know, you would, you might in another film be like, oh, look how beautiful it is. There's waterfalls and greenery, and you can hear animals, and oh, this <laughs> is wonderful, you know? I don't want to fucking live there. I would never want to no. be in that goddamn shack, man. It's like, you know, it's just dark. Yeah. It's dark and there's noises and you get fucking eaten by bears or whatever, you know. It just seems dangerous. The whole thing, you felt, I felt threatened the whole time. All those scenes in the woods, I felt completely threatened and creeped out by that. I did as well. I just think that, you know, you're right. Like sometimes, sometimes these movies that that have like these forest or, or woodland kind of presence, uh, you don't you don't feel the the atmosphere uh, as deep as you do in this movie. Whereas like the the cabin and the woods were almost like a character themselves, you know. And it's just a place you don't want to be. <laughs> you yeah. Know? No, totally. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, just super impressed with, with so many aspects of the film. Uh, I thought the performances by all the actors who are unknowns, I mean, I've never heard of anyone in this film, were, were great. It was just very realistic portrayal of a family, do you think? Yeah, I, I, there was totally unfamiliar faces, you know? And, um, you know, once again, it, it just like, this movie just, dropped into my life and now I'm like obsessed with it, you know, and, you know, and, and I, uh, I'm really, really, I, I can't wait to watch it again. You know, I want to see what else I yeah. pick up on it, you know? And, and, um, yeah, there was like just this one other scene. I don't know if you caught it, but like in the, it's sort of in the beginning of the film where they, they, Adam is uh, walking around out in the woods and he has that weird fucking animal call thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, oh yeah, that was a weird sound. Right? So he makes this this thing where you blow into it, you know. Any any of you hunters out there, I'm sorry, you know, I'm I'm not an outdoorsman, you know. What I mean? So it's like a duck call, or I don't know, some fucking thing you blow into, and it's supposed to attract animals, I guess. A creepy you know? sound. Mm-hmm. He does it a couple of times, but the last time, a, there's an answer. I don't know if you caught that. Oh, no. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah. He he makes this noise and then there's nothing. And then he does it again. And then like the third time in as the scene right before it cuts to a different scene, there's a response to that noise that he made in the woods. It comes like from somewhere else. And I'm like, "Oh shit, there's like 
you know, some kind of like fucking, you know, Bigfoot or some shit is out there. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. Well, when I when I rewatch it, I'll have to pick up on that. Yeah. Um, doing a little digging on the cast, uh, Michael Daniel, who played Pete, and Gabriel Nicholson, who plays Adam, and uh, Rachel Johnson, who played Evie, all do appear in Spectre as well. Okay. Uh, his prior film. So uh, I have a feeling this was all done with, with friends and family. I mean, as a lot of these, you know, indie early films uh, tend to be. So I think that's really cool. Is, is spe- did, did you happen to see if that's available just to like on Prime or something like that, Spectre? Uh, let's see. I, I it always it always pays to have your computer up when doing a podcast so you can get that kind of information. Hell yeah. Um, Tubi. Tubi has it. They do. Hmm. Excellent. Yes. From 2012. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Got to check that out. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I just feel like, you know, upon a second watching, I think I'm going to come away with, with you know, more kind of uh infor- aside from more information just kind of more of, of a feel of things i might have missed you know or or you know what i'm saying and i just feel like there's since there's not a lot written about this film just yet like there'll be more kind of different takes on it and kind of looking forward to that you know yeah uh, i also sometimes i like to look on youtube <laughs> ever watch on youtube like where they explain a movie for you or, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, The Witch Explained or something like that. Yeah, I fuck, like, around, I, I fuck around with those sometimes, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the uh, the For Dummies that you have to watch where you might pick up on those little things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> one, one of the other things, too, and, um, you know, William Peter Blatty gets into a lot of this shit in The Exorcist where they, they – I like when they, they connect possession – and the supernatural with mental illness you know what i mean mm-hmm. yes where it's it's like is it actually a pathological thing with your brain or is there some kind of other entity causing you to have the pathology you know what i mean it's like the first time i ever really dug deep into that was when i read the exorcist you know the novel and and i think mm-hmm. I think in the novel they they like you they lean a little bit more heavily into the um psychology and you know the medical part of things it seems. And uh, right. So in this movie I'm not saying this is, you know, a, a possession film by any stretch of the imagination, but it's like you you kind of have the sense that me- mental illness is like kind of maybe related to like supernatural entities or something, you know. You can you can run that that storyline too, you know, where they're, they're two no, things go true. hand in hand, you know? Well, I do feel like, you know, in the, in the film and in the book, they, they had to exhaust every, uh, physical thing with this poor girl. Remember, you know, they talk about the exorcist. Like they had, yeah. The exorcist. Yeah. Um, they, b- before they kind of were like, have you thought about a priest? Remember like yep. how they, mm-hmm. they, they made sure that there was nothing first physically wrong with her. And then they ran the mental tests and her brain was fine too, you know? Right. Um, but in, in this, the case of this movie, the, 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 uh, the grandmother is mentally ill. I think the whole family is mentally ill. Um, and, uh, you know, apparently the director has, has mentioned in interviews about some mental illness in his own family. Right. Uh, so, I feel like when it comes to things like possession and, and things like that, um, you can have that angle, you know, but at the same time, it can be completely uh, unrelated to that. You know, I mean, they, could they go hand in hand or do they go hand in hand? Perhaps, but in some cases, they not at all, you know? Yeah, it's just an interesting idea to play around with, like in the narrative of these films and these books and whatnot is like, you know, like, is there is there some force guiding the person mm-hmm. suffering from the mental illness? You know, and and you see it a lot in like possession films and 
you know, all the other various like exorcism, you know, movies out there. It's like there's always like an angle with mental illness. And then they just, you know, it's discovered that there's actually some kind of force involved. And that's kind of like in this film where, you know, it, yeah, definitely the grandmother. Okay, well, you know, she has dementia. But this this thing is speaking to her, you know, through. Yeah. And And that's kind of like. One of the most more unsettling things about it is like how they frame that in the movie and how there's a consistency in the things that are being written and, and the name and, and then how mm. it spreads to the other family members and that kind of stuff too, you know? Yeah, I mean, in a way, look, it was kind of like predestined, you know what I'm saying, with this family, you know? <laughs> like yeah. I feel like it was, it was a matter of time for everything to kind of fucking the shit to hit the fan and you know, people start dying as they say. Um, but I, I really would love to actually perhaps see a, you know, a book version of this, as I've said before with certain films, I mean, this, this kind of would uh, lends itself, I think to, to a, a novel. I think uh, like you were mentioning, it would, it would probably be really quite a read. Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. And, uh, yeah, I, man, fuck, I'd love to track this guy down, man, and talk to him about this film. You know, that'd be really cool, I think. Yeah, maybe you get know? him on the show or something. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> um, what do you give Sator in our heralded one to five score? I give it a five, man. I don't even hesitate. It's a movie that I'm, that ah. I'm, I'm intrigued by. I don't, I'm probably going to watch it multiple times. It's like the kind of movie that I will watch. Uh, I, I will put it on in certain moments to get into a mood, some maybe you know, or or mm. sit in the dark and watch it, you know, or something like that. It's like, you know, if I want to, if there's like some young lady at the house and I want to scare her, I might put this on. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm also giving it a five. I, I thought it was fucking awesome. Um, I, you know, I, I can't wait to see what uh, Jordan Graham does next. I'm going to check out his prior stuff and uh, definitely do, do my homework. Uh, you know, once some more is, is written about this guy currently on Rotten Tomatoes out of uh, 21 critics, um, they got an eight, 86% rating already, right. which is pretty great. Uh, they've got a nine out of 10 average. Um, so people are digging it. And uh, yeah, I think this, this, you know, it's just kind of right out of the gate. And I think, uh, we're going to start to see people talking about this movie more and more as this year progresses. I should check. Uh, I have the most recent issue of Room Morgue, which um, it's been sitting on my uh, my coffee table for about a you know at least a week, and I haven't. I just kind of like thumbed through it, but I want to I want to mm -hmm. see if they have it in there. I imagine this is something that Room Morgue would be right on top of. You know what I mean? It might be, but you know what else is interesting? It's probably mentioned when they do their their fantasia wrap-up because they do a fantasia uh, wrap-up every yeah, year that's right they're it's probably mentioned yeah. in the movies that got picked up whatever in 2019 okay so i mm -hmm. bet you it's there somewhere I, I would guarantee it's in there somewhere um that's what i miss about about getting uh Lamorg on the regular which is probably why i says, should subscribe to it is seeing things like that and I'm sure uh, Fangoria is, is probably going to be checking this out as well. Yeah. Although I punched out of Fangoria because they, the, the 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 cover price is just a bit bit too much for me. I feel like I don't know. I, I know there's only like four a year, but I don't yeah. know. I feel yeah. like it's a bit too pricey. It, it it is a little steep. I, I'm I'm still hanging in there with Fangoria. I've been a long time Rumorg subscriber, so it's those two. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also subscribe to this British magazine called Scream that's uh oh i know i've heard of scream oh yeah yeah it's mm -hmm. good it's it's focuses mostly mainly on older movies you know like it'll have like articles about like american wealth in london um you know hammer films uh you know there'll be interviews of people that were in some of these movies you know things like that and it's more like an archival kind of thing so it's um it's you know not a whole lot of new stuff in there but if you want to do a deep dive into like the Amicus films or something like that. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's very British in that in that respect. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's cool. It's funny. There's a there's an American uh, screen magazine that comes out 
well, it used to come out every time there was a um, Chiller Con, because the guy has this huge setup at Chiller where he sells movies and he sells the magazine. And man, it's just making me realize that I'm not sure of the fate of the spring Chiller. I, 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 I imagine it might probably is not happening, although I haven't read about it, um, which kind of depresses me. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it would be it would be nice to you know see them come back for october knock on wood um but uh yeah there's you know the, the convention circuit has been hit very hard by the pandemic but it's funny my brother john uh pointed out to me though that what there has been happening is they're doing these online conventions right where you're actually paying money to get an autograph and it gets mailed to you but you're also paying money to get on like a zoom with some of these people, which look that that's really cool, but I don't know. I feel like it takes the entire real experience out of it, and it just I don't know. It just sucks. I think. <laughs> I, I got to be honest, man. I'm not. I'm not down with like. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not. I'm not disparaging it. I mean, it's great that it's no. going on, but like, it's just not for me, man. Like, I I'd rather wait. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm I'm hoping that by the fall. Um, Salem Horror Fest happened. I mean, they, they, Salem had their fest last year. You know, mm -hmm. it just was like socially distant. But oh wow, yeah, uh, they had stuff going on in Salem. Um, I did. I was planning on going, but I did not obviously because I, you know, didn't want to be uh, you know a super spreader or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't want to wild out like the, a lot of the other country part of the other country is. So um, nope. But I think that. I mean, hell, man, uh, we only need to really get 65 to 70 percent of the population vaccinated before there's like a um, I mean, only that's still a lot of people. But I think certainly by the end of the summer, um, that goal might actually be achieved. You know what I mean? And I think that I agree. And yeah, I mean, I, I'll I will I'll be raring to fucking go, man. I mean, honestly, I, I gotta be honest. Totally, I dude. just I, I might I might you know. go to Salem for an entire fucking week, man. You know, I, I might just like buy my shit now and get a room up there and just just hang out by myself for like a week. Yeah. Or if anyone out there is like listening and they live in the Salem, Massachusetts area, hit me up. We will fucking hang out. We'll get some beers or something. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll go. I'm, I I want to go this year, so yeah. we'll. we'll we can make that that uh, you know buddy road film that Dude, we've always wanted to make. I think that's a, if you're down, I am 100 percent down, man. Because I think in, let's in, go. It's fun. Fuck it. I got I got a bunch of friends in the area that are cool, and and uh, you know it's it's a good time, man. And it's like there's always a music thing that happens too. You know what I mean? There's always like a music element to it where there's like uh, of course, yeah, yeah. You know, and and uh, it just it's just good times, man. You know, it's just a fun time. You buy a bunch of shit. Like, you know, it's like really people are nice, you know, and there's like always like cool stuff going on. Like, you know, it was a great. Yeah. Time. I mean, I, I miss all of my my chiller friends and people I'd always see at chiller. And, you know, it's uh, we're hitting the year mark, folks. In just a couple of weeks, it's going to be one year of this. And then part, part of me, sometimes it feels like it's been two years, honestly. Um, certainly the time hasn't gone fast. I feel like it's, it's slow, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird, man. It does feel like a totally different life, you know, like, like it feels like, uh, you know, this time last year and now that 12 months, you know, Jan the end, you know, beginning of February, life was still relatively normal, you know? Yes, it was. Just, um, just starting to hear about it, you know, and then that seems like a completely different world than it does right now, you know. Yeah. Well, we didn't mean to bum anybody out out there <laughs> at the end of the podcast, but uh, you know, we're, we're still with you all, and you know, we're all going through it together. You know, and it, although you know, everybody's living it in a different kind of way. Uh, we are all still kind of in the same boat overall, you know? Yeah, you know. All of our lives are like it. You know, and like I said, I, I kind of feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're turning a corner on this shit, you know what I mean? Regardless of, like, yeah. you know, what your fucking beliefs are. I think that over the next, like, uh, you know, few months, you know, things are going to start changing and, you know, getting better. I mean, I, I know, like, I, I have family members that have gotten vaccinated and, 
you know, I mean, you and I probably got a while before we were eligible for that, but, uh, but you know, yeah, my, it's coming around. My mom gets her second shot this week. So she's excited about that. So yeah, man, whenever, whenever I can get it, I'm getting it. So that's it. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And, um, yeah, man, definitely check this movie out. It's it's prob. I mean, I got to be honest with you, bro. This might be one of my top five for the year, probably <laughs> already. Five. And yeah. it's only February. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Man, this this is like one of my uh, contenders. You know, I think this is a contender yeah. for number one, maybe. You know, depending on what else mm-hmm. comes, comes out this year. Well, you heard it, folks. Both Mike and I give it a five out of five. Sator currently only available to watch on video on demand. Uh, I checked it out on Prime. Is that where you checked it out, Mike? Yes, on Prime. Uh, it was a, a very well worth the, the $4 rental. So uh, go for yours. And we will see you all next week, everybody. Thanks so much. And please take care and stay safe. Take care, everyone.